At nearly 17 minutes past eight, in his New Year's speech, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un talked about a possible new way he might seek if Washington continued to impose harsh sanctions without a meaningful breakthrough. Then in April, at the Supreme People's Assembly, he said he'd wait until the end of the year. And six months after the so-called No Deal Hanoi summit, yesterday there was another Supreme People's Assembly in Pyongyang, but apparently without Chairman Kim Jong-un there... Uh, and and the focus was more on strengthening Kim's grip on power, we understand. And we were hoping we'd get some sort of indication, for better or for worse, of Pyongyang's current frame of mind on, on US dialogue. But uh, it, it seems, I guess, that we just have to presume it's the same as before, that uh, we've got until the end of the year for something to happen. Or else. Uh, Andrew Jung, the Wall Street Journal reporter, covers North Korea and is on the line to join us for further discussion. Good morning. Morning, Ab. So we remember North Korean leader Kim making that end of year deadline, as I just mentioned. Can we expect to see a breakthrough, do you think, though, before that deadline comes? Right. Um, I think there are both sides of the, uh, of the story um, on the positive end. I think we can hope for uh, talks to resume because, on the one hand, um, the military drills between the U.S. and South Korea have uh, concluded, and that has been a source of tension between North and South Korea. And Kim Jong-un has uh, specifically noted that um, that has been one reason why he has not been returning to talks. And when we consider that the uh, exercise ended, um, we can hope that the uh, North Korean side is more willing to talk than it was uh, before that. And, um, but on the other hand, on the negative side, uh, we, we do have to note that the, uh, the two sides have not been able to, uh, publicly float, um, their idea to reconvene working level talks after their, uh, June 30 meeting when, uh, of course, uh, President Trump visited South Korea and he made these surprise visit to the DMZ with, um, and where he met, uh, Kim Jong-un. So, um, I think there are two, um, I guess mixed signals, um, but on the uh, overall uh, situation, I think the uh, we can hope uh, more so than we uh, could have before the uh, the military drills uh, did not end um, earlier this month. Well, there used to be some optimism rekindled by the surprise trilateral meeting at the demilitarized zone. I mean, that was just a couple of months ago. We were supposed to have talks within weeks. That didn't happen. And really, the optimism seem to have been misplaced. What's been the main sticking point? Is it just this continued problem over denuclearization and, and being able to define it? Well, I think uh, for the North Koreans, they can't repeat what happened in February in Vietnam, uh, which was, of course, uh, for, for the North Koreans, uh, a little bit of an embarrassment um, because they had thought that they had they were about to reach some sort of agreement with the U.S., but the U.S. walked away. So um, from the North Koreans' uh, perspective, they can't uh, repeat another Hanoi, and that, that explains kind of why uh, they're being a little bit more cautious uh, towards future talks with the U.S. Uh, also, um, I think we need to note that um, Kim Jong-un has been uh, buying his time to uh, send out uh, what, whatever directive he he wishes to do so to his uh, subordinates, and um, that the North Korean working-level uh, officials uh, will be given better guidance on how to move uh, after perhaps this week. Um, lastly, I think we should also note that uh, the North Koreans uh, only want summits, meaning they, they prefer to uh, meet with President Trump, 
um, they have a inclination to, uh, I guess, to meet less um, on the working level and other levels of discussions with the U.S. because they feel that uh, when meeting with President Trump, they can get a better deal. That's what happened in Singapore. And uh, but of course, again, uh, what, whatever happens in Hanoi, they want to avoid. So they're being cautious, but at the same time, they want to meet President Trump, and uh, that's that. That would be their priority. Well, according to a U.S. think tank, satellite photos indicate North Korea may be building a new uh, ballistic missile submarine at its Shinpo shipyard. There are a whole number of these reports every few weeks which indicate that North Korea is going in the opposite direction. Can we say it's related to Pyongyang's frequent projectile launches that we've seen in recent months? Um, not necessarily, because um, I think the recent weapon tests in, the, in North Korea was... Um, more dedicated to uh, developing other land-based weapons. Uh, most notable is, of course, the uh, the missile that experts have been saying have uh, resembled the Russian Iskander uh, missile. And um, the SLBM program, of course, is very important for the North Koreans. Um, there is uh, lots of room for development and improvements for the North Korean side. And it would not be surprising if North Korea accelerates uh, development of their, uh, again, submarine launch ballistic missile program, because that's one of their areas in which they can improve uh, considerably in terms of their nuclear weapons arsenal. Uh, But uh, the recent tests have been more focused on developing missiles that can evade and uh, attack uh, South Korea, Japan, and the U.S. here in Northeast Asia uh, from the land and not necessarily uh, connected to uh, their submarines at their uh, Shinpo uh, port. Let's talk a bit further about South Korea-U.S. relations for a moment. As we've seen, those come under increasing strain very vocally, very publicly, after Seoul's decision to end that military intelligence sharing agreement with Japan. Washington has repeatedly expressed its disappointment, hasn't it? What, why is Washington doing that? Uh, often um, these things are reported through anonymous sources, but this is happening very publicly. Right. Um, I think there has been some sort of a, a communication lapses and communication problems between the two sides and between, of course, uh, among uh, Korea, Japan, and uh, the U.S. Um, so from Washington's perspective, it's very frustrated that uh, the South Korean side had not been, I guess, more communicative about its uh, coming decision that it was about to um, exit uh, the GSOMIA agreement with Tokyo. Uh, the South Korean side, of course, has been claiming that it had communicated enough times to the uh, the White House's uh, National Security Council, but um, more than one senior official from the U.S. side has been saying um, we, we have been blindsided. Uh, one example for that was uh, Randall Shriver, of course, from the Pentagon, who uh, publicly stated that the South Korean side had not been uh, more uh, forewarning of their coming decision on GSOMIA. Uh, the Japanese have been saying likewise, uh, that they have not, they, that they were not notified, uh, of the South Korean decision. And considering that the South Korean side was expected to, uh, uh, maintain GSOMIA, the U.S. and Japan have been, uh, I guess saying that their, uh, partnership with South Korea was, um, was hurt because their trust in Seoul, uh, was hurt by the South Korean surprise decision to exit, uh, GSOMIA. I mean, just Um, quickly on this, Andrew, just want to jump in there because we, many of us in in the media, saw this coming. Uh, It it seemed pretty obvious that this was one of the weapons that South Korea had to to hit back at Japan. And when Japan 
imposed those trade curbs and officially removed South Korea from its trade whitelist, we just saw calls from the US uh, for, for dialogue between the two sides. They, they weren't expressing disappointment openly with Tokyo in the same way as the disappointment with South Korea. That, that's not going to go down very well in Seoul, is it? Uh, no, and um, but uh, I think the South Korean side has uh, has been aware that they have very few leverages that they can use against the Japanese side, and that GSOMIA was one of them. But at the same time, they did realize that uh, exiting GSOMIA would be a uh, double-edged sword, meaning, yes, they could hurt the Japanese, but they might be hurting themselves a little bit more than they would be hurting the Japanese. So um, from that perspective, I think we can expect uh, the South Korean side uh, to really reconsider their decision on GSOMIA, because uh, we have to know that GSOMIA does extend until this November, and that the South Korean side has been hinting that they can reconsider their decision to withdraw and uh, return to the agreement, uh, of course, which would um, make happy the U.S. and the Japanese sides. Yeah, I mean, it seems because of the U.S. making itself uh, an intermediary by talking about being disappointed with South Korea... It, it will now have a responsibility to say to Japan, look, let's, let's find a way, because uh, South Korea is offering to keep the agreement going as long as we sort the trade situation out. Um, President Trump has kind of half offered to get involved and half said he doesn't want to get involved. But but isn't it inevitable that the U.S. has a role to play? Uh, yes, and I think the American side has been realizing that, but the, uh, the U.S. side has also been complaining that both um, Korea and Japan has been trying to woo uh, Washington towards uh, each side. And Washington, of course, has been expressing that, yes, we're willing to mediate, but only when uh, both sides are willing to discuss and not try to make the Americans, uh, um, I guess, force the Americans uh, to side with them in this dispute. Also, in terms of the threat from North Korea and perhaps China and Russia as well, is, is that actually heightened as a result of the GSOMIA move? Um, I think the one often cited evidence is the uh, the July um, airspace violation by the Russian um, air, command and control aircraft uh, over uh, Tokyo, and that's when the uh, the South Koreans, of course, fired warning shots at the Russian uh, aircraft. And experts have been citing that the Russians and the Chinese, who were of course conducting joint patrols at the time, uh, have been trying to poke holes in the U.S.-led uh, alliance network in East Asia. So. Um, in that sense, you could argue that, yes, Russia and China has been taking advantage of it. But on the other hand, um, it was somewhat of an isolated uh, incident. So um, I think there were both sides, again, to that, to that uh, argument as well. Um, but, uh, yes, there are signs that show that Russia and China have been taking advantage of this uh, current dispute between Korea and Japan. Yeah, well, it's certainly not like South Korea that we are alone here. And uh, U.S. is over there in Washington and... And Tokyo's where it is. Uh, we've got tens upon tens of thousands of U.S. troops on this peninsula alone, not to mention all the hardware in Asia Pacific. Um, and of course, we should remind ourselves that we still have this trilateral uh, information sharing agreement in place. But uh, it'll be an interesting period to watch. Andrew Chung of the Wall Street Journal, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And this morning continues with our Spectrum and Career Explained in the next half hour.